Welcome to episode two of Influence of Influencers. I'm your host, Marley Huggins. Today, Josie, George, Sophia, and I will be discussing the migration of influencers across different platforms. We'll investigate the different types of powerful platforms, influencer adaptability, and the success of maintaining multiple platforms at once. Sophia will give us a brief history on the social media migrations that have happened thus far. But first, we'll take a look into an influencer's own personal experience of going viral. Josie follows Alyssa Claiborne's transition of normalcy to influencing and her journey of finding balance between herself and her brand. Here's Josie. To start off, can you just introduce yourself? Melissa Claiborne, born and raised here in Salt Lake City, Utah. And what do you do? I have my own business. I run a social media management business. On top of her small business, Alyssa Claiborne has an Instagram page that has amassed over 87,000 followers. And how did you get started doing that? Training horses for a company and decided to make content videos for ourselves. Claiborne was working for this company while studying strategic communications at the University of Utah, she said. As the company posted these videos, Claiborne began posting them on her personal page, too. And they just took off and went viral. I became like this quote-unquote influencer. It made me think, huh, I can can make money off of my own platform, and I'm already kind of going to school for this. And that led Claiborne to further develop her own platform. And then, I guess, how did you feel after seeing those videos take off? A little intimidating, honestly. And then it kind of became a struggle because... Because, she said, even though she loves horses, they aren't the only thing that makes her her. Different things I like to do, so I love to ski, I love fishing, I love mountain biking. But whenever she shared any of these hobbies, they wouldn't get nearly as much attention as her more Western content did. And so it was kind of really hard once it started taking off, trying to find that balance. And so I, I kind of went right into horses and stayed with it to create a following and a business off of it. And I don't know if you can see now I'm incorporating more of my lifestyle back into it. So it's kind of playing around with it right now and finding a sweet spot. It's not all that it seems. So, and I wish I could just like tell everyone that. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I think a lot of people don't realize is you, you kind of do become this little puppet. So all of a sudden you get in this weird bargain scene behind Instagram where you're like working with companies and they're kind of trying to fight for your space on your platform. And then you have to deliver what they want. How do you balance your personal life with your platform? I'm actually in the middle of it. I'm trying to figure out what the balance is. And so for me, I think it is posting more of your personality and the other parts of you, because at the end of the day, if you want it to be like this organic platform that you feel good about, you should be posting what you want to be posting. And then it actually opens doors for other companies that you maybe really want to work for or be sponsored by, because I don't want just the, the Western industry to consume it all. 
and you get backlash from that too. So friends and family will be like, oh, who cares? I think what they don't realize is you start with, you know, I didn't start it as that. I started, it was just me, just an account. It's kind of an emotional roller coaster and like an identity crisis. Because she said people will start to unfollow you when you post something not specific to the niche that you've built your platform from. How do you like separate yourself from your platform then? Because I can imagine that's really hard to do when your platform is you, but it's also a business. So how do you kind of take care of yourself too, but also take care of your business? I think it's like um, putting the phone away. Claiborne says she uses Instagram's quiet mode feature, which turns off all notifications. And I like to use that time to go like outside, walk the dog, go ride my horses without that pressure from the outside world. Do you think that having like this platform has given you any opportunities that you might not have otherwise have had? Having an Instagram platform, like being an influencer, you do get to work with brands that you are passionate about. Um, and with working with those brands, you network and meet a bunch of cool people. Um, I had the opportunity the past two years to be a part of like a country singer's music video. And that was so fun to go down and be on set and just meet some incredible, inspiring people that wanted to just create. And then I had the opportunity to be a part of um, a big Western magazine this summer as well and going down and making new friends. And it's just, it's pretty awesome the doors that it can open. How do you maintain a relationship with your audience? So I probably once a week, once every two weeks, will do the question box on my story so that anyone that's following me that wants to know something more specific or ask questions, they can type it in there. And I try to respond to all of those. So that makes like people feel good that they can reach out and like get an answer from me. Um, as well as like I do go through my hidden messages and find messages because sometimes people have like serious questions in there and you you want to make them feel heard you want them to know they're not alone or if they need help with something that involves horses like I'm happy to be there and and help out or are there any sort of challenges that come with having a platform I would say it does affect the dating world a little bit if I do meet a guy out in a public space I will not share like my last name or my social media because I want you to get to know me for me first before you see anything on social media so that's like really important to me because I feel like once people are like whoa you you have a big following you have social media and this and that it changes it do you see longevity with your platform I see longevity in it I think it will be it will continue to grow especially the more the more specific maybe I get with things now, if I resort back to like going more towards the Western industry, I do think there's more potential right away with that. So if all else fails, trying to like bring in my personal life into the platform right now, I can resort back to that and know that there will be so much longevity to it. It was really interesting to listen to Alyssa's story as an influencer and how she was able to use her interests to her advantage. Um, Do you guys have any hobbies or interests that you could see yourself using as a personal brand? Yeah, I think for 
myself as like an aspiring journalist um but also someone who likes writing in general i could build a platform off of my writing and telling stories um yeah something i'd be interested in doing and i'm actually trying to do too so i really like styling clothes so i think i could use that as a brand image for my social media accounts but i'd only do that if i was interested in becoming an influencer uh, for me, I really like to read, so I think I could see myself using reading or maybe even academia of some sorts for my personal brand, but I also really love clothes and fashion, so maybe I would incorporate that into my online brand as well. Yeah, I think that's really cool. If I were to choose one to incorporate for my personal brand, I would do probably running or fitness, just because that's something that I feel like I could connect with the audience too. So if you guys were an influencer... What do you think you would do to maintain a healthy relationship with your job and self-image? I think personally, I would try to create as much of a separation between my own personal life and my professional life as possible, even if that includes having like two separate social media accounts to do that. Um, It's really hard, I think, with social media when it's you and it's so entwined into who you are and your personality to do that. But I think physically having separate platforms to do both things on would be, at least for me, really helpful. Yeah, it seems really hard to navigate a healthy relationship with yourself while projecting your personality online. I think I would definitely try to use social media for business purposes only, because if I also used it when I was relaxing, I think I would just end up stressing myself out because I would just focus too much on like my analytics Yeah, I agree. I think it's really hard for celebrities or even just people in the public eye to have a healthy relationship with their job and self-image because it seems like at one point or another, there's always a learning curve where things go bad. Uh, For me, I would also try to keep work and home as separate as possible. If I were to share things with my audience, it would be exclusively about my brand and I would try to keep it more professional than personal, which could be hard because you want to have that balance where people can connect with you as a person. Um, But I would definitely also try to stay off social media more and only use it for work because I think there would just be a lot of negativity that could get inside of, you know, a person's head. Yeah, I agree. And like you mentioned, I think burnout like happens very frequently. So I would personally try and keep like a balance and even maybe have someone help me do my social media so it's not as intense or stressful. Now we're switching gears over to Sophia, who's going to tell us all about the migration of influencers across different platforms. Road work ahead? Uh, Yeah, I sure hope it does. Ah, Good day, everyone, and welcome back to my daily vlog channel. How's it going? Good? Good. Carol Baskin killed her husband, whacked him. Since the rise of the internet, there have been influencers. There have also been platforms that house those influencers. These two things are so intertwined, it is impossible to have one without the other. When a new platform is created, influencers will use it to stay relevant and keep their fan base. If influencers are behind the trends, they risk their livelihood. 
When we look back through time, we can track the movement of influencers across different platforms. Two, three, four, mama made me breakfast. She is the bestest. Cheese and potatoes and some scrambled waves. Hi, my name is Liza Koshi. I'm 20 years old with no kids and I'm, I'm addicted to Target. Target montage with dramatic music. Oh my Gaga. We are starting off the night with the queen of camp, the camp counselor, Lady Gaga. Her eyelashes, I can see them from here. I can feel them from here. I feel the wind. Influencers began on many platforms. The platform where the most influencers began was Vine. I wanted to be a cowboy, baby. I wanted to be a cowboy, baby. My main goal is to blow up and then act like I don't know nobody. <laughs> Vine was a platform where creators would post six-second-long videos that would loop. Vine was started in 2013 and was most popular in 2014. This is when most internet celebrities of the time got their fame. Vine was shut down in January 2017, but had been getting less and less popular since its heyday of 2014. This meant that these internet celebrities had to move to another platform, or their fame and popularity would be short-lived. Most of these new influencers moved to YouTube. Okay, never done this before. So new to this. YouTubers have cool intros, Liza. What the heck are you gonna do? Gosh, you're so lame. Do something cool. Do something impressive. How you doing? Hey, David Dobrik. New YouTuber, you know, new fresh videos every week. Every Friday I'll try to upload one. So, um, subscribe. Let me know if you like the video that's coming up. Nah. YouTube is a very different platform than Vine. It is geared towards long-form videos rather than short-form videos like Vine. This meant that those influencers who came from Vine had to adjust or they would not be able to stay relevant. Many Viners chose to vlog, such as David Dobrik, the Paul Brothers, and Sam and Colby. Others did comedy-style videos like Liza Koshy, Lily Singh, and Thomas Sanders. The Viners that are the most relevant today are those who do commentary-style videos on YouTube, such as Curtis Connor, Danny Gonzalez, Drew Gooden, and Cody Ko. Hey guy, welcome back to the first and... What the hell? Danny? Danny, you didn't even tell me you were here. I... What's up, Greg? I hope you're all having a great day. Welcome back to another episode of Danny's Big Boy Craft Emporium. All right, welcome back to That's Cringe. Today, we are going to learn how to be a real man. Mm. Okay, hey guys, welcome to my channel. If you're new here, what's up? How's it going? And if you're coming back, what's up? How's it going? It's good to see you again. Today, TikTok has become the sixth most popular social media platform since its release in the US in August 2018. It is the fastest growing social media platform ever. There are many new influencers who showed up on TikTok, like Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio, Addison Rae, Huddy, and Baby Ariel. However, some influencers who have been around since Vine are still very relevant on TikTok, like Liza Koshy, King Bach, and David Dobrik. I'm gonna have Natalie throw a marshmallow over our house and into my mouth. I go, Nat, throw it on. Moving for batch? Yeah. Thanks, man. Hey, hey. hey. These influencers have had to be adaptable in order to stay relevant and keep their internet careers. They have to constantly keep up with the trends and what their fans, like Samuel Denman, like. I think my favorite influencer would probably have to be Trisha Paytas, cause um, she's had so many eras. Like she literally just is whatever she wants to be. Is that problematic? Probably, but you know. She's kind of just an icon. She's a queen. I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> I, you know, I don't feel good because I can't get my hair done. Like, you know what I mean? I woke up this morning feeling like a chicken nugget. Hell yeah! 
Samuel, who is a high school senior, says they would follow Paytas on all platforms. I mean, of course I would. She's literally probably on every platform. She's just like multinational. She's a multimillionaire. She does everything. She's everywhere. I just love her. Say Trisha Paytas was only on YouTube and then she like made this huge announcement. She was like, oh, I'm making the switch to TikTok. I'm I'm not going to post on YouTube anymore. What would you do? I think I'd be sad just because TikTok is in the platform. I mean, in the format that it's just like small videos. So you don't even get as much as you would on YouTube where the... um production is a lot higher and the video is a lot longer so i would be a little sad but i wouldn't be that mad for samuel adaptability is the best part of their favorite influencer we can see how adaptability is the best trait for influencers to have by looking at the history of platform movement samuel also says that they like trisha paytas's youtube videos most but tiktok is the platform that they use the most often i think i use tiktok the most i just doom scroll Samuel also explained why they like TikTok. Because it's just a lot of information really quickly. It's funny. It's interesting. You can just entertain yourself for hours, like, endlessly. If you keep your- it's easy. Guys! Hey, guys, too- Influencers have mastered adaptability. Influencers today are still doing what they can to stay relevant and popular, whether that be through shows such as The D'Amelio Show, it's a really confusing dynamic within my family sometimes. Or even podcasts. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Pretty Basic. I'm your co-host, Alicia Marie. And I am your other co-host, Remy Ashton Cruz. Influencers are here to stay. I'm Sophia Denman, reporting. I definitely remember the Viner migration to YouTube. I remember really enjoying seeing my favorite Viners on YouTube because the videos went from six seconds to five minutes at the least. And I was able to see more content from the people I enjoyed watching. Although it might sound kind of cringe, I really liked Lily Pond's Vines. So when Vine shut down and she started making YouTube videos, she adapted really well. A lot of her content consisted of comedy skit style videos that me and my friend really enjoyed. Another ex-Viner I really enjoyed is Drew Gooden. Compared to Lele, I didn't really follow him on Vine, but I still watch his YouTube videos to this day. He went in a completely different direction from most Viners on YouTube. On YouTube. Um, a majority just did vlog and skit style content, but Drew did a lot of commentary videos. And since his move to YouTube, his videos have become more and more insightful and interesting. So not only do I get a good laugh, but I also usually learn something. Yeah, I didn't watch a whole line of a whole lot of Vine growing up, but I do remember seeing familiar names start popping up on YouTube. Um, I then started following some specific people on YouTube more than I ever did on Vine. Um, but when I realized that someone I liked on YouTube had started on Vine, I always enjoyed kind of going back to their old Vine videos and seeing how they'd evolved. Um, I also watched Drew Gooden and still do. I had seen a few of his Vines, but it was really his commentary on YouTube that made me start following him, um, which was weird because then when I looked back at his Vine videos, there was clearly a stark contrast in seeing his content from Vine and then to YouTube. Um, while his Vine videos were short and funny, they were 
I would say shallow, but YouTube really let you get to know Drew um, and his thoughts. And kind of in general, YouTube just made me feel like I was developing more of a relationship with the people I followed than I think Vine would have let me. Um, so I guess I, I would and still do find myself following YouTubers for them as a person and not just their content. I also didn't follow any specific people on Vine, but I did watch a lot of YouTube when I was younger, and a lot of the YouTubers I watched were old Viners. Um, I still watch people like Curtis Connor and Cody Ko, and I've watched them since they started getting popular on YouTube. And then I also still watch Ju Phillips and Enya Umanzor, who started on Vine, and they now have a podcast together, but I was introduced to them through YouTubers through YouTube, so I think it's more of a generational thing to have actually followed Viners since Vine to now. I can definitely agree. I was never super into Vine, so I didn't follow it too much. However, I do remember seeing influencers that went from YouTube and made early transitions into Instagram Reels. For example, YouTubers like like Mr. Beast, like he knew about the opportunity, so he was one of the first YouTubers to really start taking Instagram Reels seriously. And I think because of that, he's been able to pull in an insane amount of views on his videos since posting his Reels. Yeah, I think the most annoying part of people transitioning between uh, platforms, especially when Viners move to YouTube, is how you have to deal with all the ads on YouTube. Yeah, I agree. They're very annoying. And the sponsorships are really getting out of hand. We'll have to talk more about that in our next episode.